Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at www.audibletrial.com slash Dexter. Hi, welcome back, dear friends, to Dissecting Dexter. I'm your host, Gareth Watkins, coming to you, as always, from the mobile studio deep in the heart of North Yorkshire, England, where it's March, it's spring, can we call it spring now? I think we can. We've had some snow since I last spoke to you, although <laughs> that's not saying much because it was sometime back in the winter when I last spoke to you. It's been, oh, has it been, th- mm, what, three, four weeks since I last talked to you? <coughs> oh, excuse me. Coughing already, I've only just started. Doesn't bode well. <laughs> um, yeah, I've uh, been busy. Um, yeah, what can I say? It's the usual excuses. Although I did have a week off work uh, towards the end of February. It was half term here in, uh, well, where I live in East Yorkshire. And the kids were off school and I had some holiday to use up. So booked the week off and we had a really fabulous family week. Just doing stuff, being together, having fun. Uh, we went to the beach. We well, we went to the beach on the coast two or three times in the week. We went swimming. I took my youngest, little Ethan, <laughs> three years old. I took him to see the Phantom Menace in 3D, uh, which was great fun. More to see his reaction and joy at watching Star Wars on a big screen, or right, albeit with a pair of bloody great plastic glasses on his nose. <laughs> but he did really well. He nodded off with about half an hour to go. Um, having been surprisingly riveted, and uh, but <laughs> you should have seen him move when uh, the bit came along where Darth Maul appears in the hangar, and we have that fantastic three-way um, lightsaber duel. And uh, just just at the moment before Darth Maul appeared, I whispered to him, "Darth Maul," and <laughs> you should have seen him move. <laughs> he almost fell off his seat in his haste to sit bolt upright and take notice because he loves Darth Maul. So yeah, that was that was really great. When we came out, he said that was awesome. <laughs> so I think it was a hit. <laughs> Although I, I don't think I'll be taking him to see Attack of the Clones or Revenge of the Sith when they come out in 3D. Uh, I'm not sure what the release schedule is over the next few months or year. Maybe I don't know when exactly they're coming out. But uh, they're a little bit. Well, there are certain bits in there that are a bit more. How shall we say? A little bit more grown up. Um, he doesn't need to be seeing decapitations for a start. So. Um, yeah, I shan't be taking him to see those. <laughs> but as far as 3D goes, I did talk about the 3D experience and Star Wars in general, really, on my other podcast, Gareth's Waste of Time. Uh, so if you're interested, I have plugged the show before on here. If you're interested in hearing me spout about other non-Dexter topics, and yeah, I know I do digress now and again on here, <laughs> but I can do it officially and legitimately on Gareth's Waste of Time. Check that out. The latest episode is 21. It's on iTunes. Um, it's called Star Wars and TV Shows, I think. And uh, yeah, I talk a lot more about 3D, my experience with 3D films and oh, all sorts of other nonsense so check that out <laughs> um and you may well sharp-eyed listeners may have noticed a slight change to the beginning of the podcast yeah call me a sellout if you like but <laughs> i've <laughs> along the way over the last few months there have been one or two costs that i've incurred in um producing the podcast and i thought hey you know other podcasts do it it's 
at no cost to the listener. So I thought I'll I'll try and get a sponsor for the podcast and, you know, just dip a toe, just see, <laughs> test the water and other cliches. So I've become an affiliate with Audible.com, which... I'm sure if if you guys listen to many other podcasts, you're bound to have come across at least one or two. And there are some very popular podcasts out there that are sponsored by Audible. And now Dissecting Dexter is one. So I'm sure you'll have encountered Audible before. They are a very popular source, online source of audiobooks. And I've set up an affiliate program where listeners can go to the special URL... And if you feel so inclined to sign up for a free 30-day trial, you can get yourself a free audiobook download and choose from any of their titles. They've got over 100,000 titles on there, including all the Dexter novels. And if you do, it will support the podcast. So, um, you know, if you feel so inclined, <laughs> it's www.audibletrial.com slash Dexter. And I'll be plugging that again a little bit later in the podcast. I hope you'll forgive me. <laughs> also, um, before we get into the latest episode that we're going to be talking about, you may have seen this online. There is a Nielsen survey about Dexter. And it's looking for fan feedback, viewer feedback. You don't have to be a hardcore fan to be eligible to complete this survey although if you do have some extensive views on the show and its plots and characters then it is an opportunity to air those in detail you go through it gives you all the usual guff questions about your sex and age and the optional questions about household income and all, all that crap but there are some really detailed questions i was surprised at how in-depth i was able to go in my responses it asks you to, uh, well, specifically season five, really. Um, it assumes that you've watched up to the end of season five. So the, it, it is possible that you might complete the survey and maybe get spoiled about characters and storylines. So tread carefully. But it does give you a chance to rate characters in the show whether you want to see more or less or the same it asks you about specific relationships so the various double acts we've got in the show there are the obvious ones like deb and dexter um who else have we got dexter and uh oh, who else was there dexter and masuka i think um as well as relationships pertaining to uh, that, that, or that include characters that show up in season five and post season two. So I won't go into uh, more specifics than that for the sake of our season two um, listeners. But you get the idea that there are some very specific questions and, and plot specific. As I say, there, there, it asks you for your opinion on certain uh plot lines in the show as well whether you like them hate them it asks you why you didn't like them why you particularly like them and so you can really go to town now whether or not it'll make a difference i don't know you could view it cynically but why would they bother going to the lengths of producing such a detailed survey if they weren't going to maybe take on board some of the opinions i don't know how long the survey's got to run uh, i did have a little look as I recorded today on I think it's the 9th of March just to make sure that the link for the survey is still valid we've got links to the survey on the Facebook page 
go onto Facebook, look for Dissecting Dexter, and you'll you'll find it. It's been posted at least twice, uh, so you shouldn't have too much trouble finding it. Click through and uh, and have a go. Um, they are currently, or they've recently started writing for season seven. Blimey, season seven. So the writers are in work. So <laughs> it would be nice to think they are keeping an eye on what's coming through this survey, and uh, we'll maybe take some of the viewer opinions on board well we can but hope <laughs> so with that marathon intro out of the way let's crack on with this episode's episode <laughs> season two episode five now as i as I, I did mention the word spoiler those of you who are just joining the dissecting dexter ride this is a season two rewatch episode so with that in mind i assume that not everybody listening to this particular episode has seen Dexter up to the end of the latest episodes and it was season six that aired last autumn so with that I don't discuss anything that's yet to come short of the next episode in our preview section so if you're worried about being spoiled for season three four and beyond fear not <laughs> you will not be spoiled here so let's get stuck into season two episode five the Dark Defender, original air date, the 28th of October 2008, written by Tim Schlattman and directed by Keith Gordon. Here we go with the recap and review. sets off this week amused how public opinion suggests not everyone is horrified by the Bay Harbour Butcher. He hears one man saying he deserves a medal for taking these bad guys out. Actually, did you notice the music in this opening scene? It's the same music I use at the end of the podcast. It's called Aster's Birthday and it's on the season one soundtrack. As far as I've noticed, this is only the second time they've used it. Having coffee with Deb, we learn... The Bay Harbour Butcher case is on a kind of hiatus as they wait for lab results on the algae samples. Dexter applies the one-day-at-a-time mantra of recovering addicts as he reassures himself not to panic. Deb doesn't share the growing public support for the butcher, though. Bay Harbour Butcher. Give me one shot, I put a bullet in the fucker's head. You really feel that way? He's killing people, Dex. Dad taught us one thing, it's the value of human life. Yeah, but I think we had different homework assignments. <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. Another nice use of the voiceover to give us that trademark dark humour, so effective in the first couple of seasons. Dex gets called out to a crime scene in a comic book store, and he's looking at some superhero figures as he works. He muses how he has some things in common with these characters. Tragic beginnings, secret identities... Comparisons with Batman have often been drawn. How they're both vigilantes of sorts, driven by tragic experiences suffered as children. Personally, I don't entirely go along with that. Not to any great degree, and I'm sure we've discussed it in the podcast before. Batman doesn't go around killing people, plus he's not motivated by a compulsive urge to kill they're both troubled souls, of course, but only one of them is a serial killer who just channels his lust for murder by targeting killers. That it does society a service is a happy byproduct, 
But it's interesting listening to Dexter himself considering the superhero thing. Remember the scene last season when he fantasised about having his own ticker tape parade, the people applauding him and his work. Another similarity Dexter notes is having arch enemies as he looks at Dokes. He's still giving him the suspicious eye, despite earlier in the season when he gave Dexter a pass once he thought he discovered Dexter was a drug addict. It seemed to explain all the odd behaviour, but going by the glance in this scene, maybe he's still not 100% sure, or kind of accepts it, but just doesn't like him. While he's checking the crime scene, Dexter spots a poster on the wall of a comic book character, The Dark Defender. This resonates with him, and when he asks about it, he learns that the murder victim was inspired by the Bay Harbour Butcher and was wanting to write a graphic novel based on a vigilante who uses his blade to turn wrong into right. Later, Dexter's at his N.A. meeting, and he nods off and has a dream. It's the familiar setting of the cargo container. His mum's there saying, don't look, cradling her boys. Three thugs come in, one holding a chainsaw. Suddenly the door's flung open and a hooded character comes in and takes all three down. Removing the hood, we see it's Dexter. It's a good little scene done in superhero style, dramatic music and all. He's obviously giving thought to this superhero notion. Dexter tells Lila about the dream and how he saved his mother, but Lila comes up with an interesting point. It's worth pointing out here. As Dexter says, this is the first time he's ever told anyone about this, him witnessing his mother's murder. But Lila's point is that maybe he wasn't dreaming so much about saving his mother, but rather saving himself. She says this incident could be where his addiction started. And again, it's amazing how uncanny and perceptive this is. She's spot on, isn't she? We know this tragic, tragic event was what gave birth to the Dark Passenger and the killer need in both Dexter and Brian. We learned that Dexter doesn't know what happened to the three men who killed his mother, but Lila says he needs to find out so he can confront them, get some closure. She says if he's ever going to get better, he needs closure. Dexter says he never expected to get better. Interesting. We pretty much knew he was resigned to being like this forever, but bearing in mind he's already seen how the principles of treating drug addiction can apply to his own addiction... He's starting to think maybe there is a glimmer of light at the end of the tunnel. We jump to Deb, who's spending the night with her new fella, Gabriel, and she's rifling his drawers. When he wakes up, she tells him she's trying to get to know him better. Hearing this, I can immediately understand. Look at what happened in season one. She's obviously got some trust issues now, and who could blame her? She's thinking if she'd maybe done some similar digging through Rudy's things. I say Rudy rather than Brian because she knew him as Rudy. But if she'd done that, she's thinking she might have had an inkling something wasn't right and saved herself all that trauma. Maybe. She's suspicious of Gabriel's intentions, though, since her public involvement with the ice truck killer. She's very defensive and sees herself as being regarded, as she puts it, a trophy fuck. Gabriel says he's been out of the country and didn't know who the ice truck killer is. This man is ruining my life. And you all go on like nothing is happening. Dissecting Dexter. This is the kind of thing that makes me glad I have no feelings. Next morning, we're at Rita's house. There's the seemingly random event of an armadillo in the house that Dexter rescues and puts outside. It sets him up making a joke of it to Rita's mother, Gail. But she remains stony-faced, and we find out why. 
she's found some Narcotics Anonymous information in the house. Dexter admits to entering the programme, but tries to reassure her he'd never hurt Rita. Gail tells him to leave them alone if he really cares about them. You can kind of understand Gail's point of view. She obviously knows the hurt that Paul caused to Rita and the kids. She's only trying to protect them. We go to a briefing at the police station. The lab results from the algae are in, and they've narrowed things down to three local marinas where the rocks could have come from. Lundy splits up the teams, Deb joining him at the one she says is where her dad, her dad kept his boat. We then join Dexter in the records office. He's digging into the three suspects for his mother's murder. One's dead, one's doing life without parole, and one turned state's evidence and entered the witness protection programme. He's the only one still out there, Santos Jimenez. There are some tapes with the file, and interviews with an informant, and Dexter has a listen. He observes that one of Harry's rules was not to make things personal, but he says he's lived in a fog too long and has to do this. Today is Friday, September 28, 1973. This is Detective Harry Morgan. Dad. Case file. I can't fucking do this anymore. I have to know when the next shipment's coming in, Laura. Laura Moser. My mother. Harry, I'm so scared. Everything's going to be okay. You just need to calm down. I already took the cocaine as evidence just like you asked. Why isn't that enough? If we want Estrada and his men behind bars, we have to catch them in the act at the shipyard. He's going to find out. And then he's going to kill me. Harry, listen to me. I think someone may have followed us to the park. If we were followed, I would have noticed. I just need you to hold out a little longer. This will all be over soon. I need to pick up Ryan at school. I won't let anything happen to you. Or your boys. You have my word. Harry broke his word. He wasn't called to that crime scene by chance. It was his case. Laura Moser was his informant. Hey, I was 18 days old when this interview was recorded. <laughs> 28th of September 1973. I actually really like how they did this scene. Dexter listening to this in the very room where the interview was recorded. And as the camera pans around the table, the scenes blend so Dexter's sitting at the table with his mother, his young self and Harry talking across it. Then they fade out to leave Dexter on his own again. I like the mention of Brian, but most significantly, Dexter gets some major information about his mother. She was Harry's informant, and Harry knowingly put her in harm's way when she'd expressed such fears that her informing had been discovered by the drug gang. Obviously, at this point, Harry was not Dexter's adoptive father, but he did gesture by putting his hand on young Dexter's head, so I wonder. But at this point... We don't know how well Harry knew them or how much he cared, if at all, but it's obvious his priority was the case. It also suggests that guilt was the major factor in why Harry took Dexter in after the murder. Dexter now thinks he understands why Harry destroyed the file on his mother. It was to bury his own guilt more than to protect Dexter. Lila goes to the police station to see Dexter and she catches Batista's eye, who seems to fancy her, <laughs> just judging from his expressions. He takes Lila to where Dexter's working. He's in the blood splatter playroom that we've seen before. Studying uh, blood splatter <laughs> from blunt force trauma to the head. Lovely. 
In what Batista and Lila, and my first thought, knowing the darker hints we've had from her, I thought, boy, she's going to love this room. And she does. <laughs> but through their conversation, she asks Dexter about his mother's killers, and he tells her the one who's still around runs a tavern two hours away. The address was in the file he got from records. She persuades him that confronting this guy will help his healing, and they plan to take a road trip. There's a really nice scene next, Deb and Lundy at the marina. She's all business, talking about the case, and he just shuts off to it, sits down on the dock, takes his shoes and socks off, dips his feet in the water and eats his sandwiches. He says he always stops for lunch at one o'clock. It's old-fashioned, but the guy's obviously good at his job, so how can we begrudge him five minutes to eat his cucumber sandwiches? Deb's fidgety and he points it out and she gets a little pissy but then he concisely tells her his astute observations about the marina and that he's ordering 24-hour surveillance. She smiles, realising she underestimated him there and she sits down and puts her own feet in the water. We get a wide shot of them both sitting there next to each other and the Astor's birthday music, the music I mentioned earlier, plays again. Like I said, it's a nice scene that speaks for both characters. That night, Dexter and Lila head out on the road to find Santos Jimenez. She encourages Dexter to practice on her what he's going to say to him. He says he feels he stole his life from him. He hides in plain sight, unable to reach out to the people close to him, afraid he'll hurt them. It's good to hear him speaking frankly like this. He's, he's openly acknowledging how he feels. And then she asks him something else. What do you remember most about your mother? She had long hair, soft, like her hands. That's all. He was very young when she died, so I'm not surprised that this is all he can think of. How much can any of us recall from being so young? But it's still a touching moment as he recalls this. We join Dokes and LaGuerta, who've teamed up to find the suspects in the comic book store murder. Remember, they used to be partners, but it turns out that she's there to keep an eye on him, bearing in mind he's shot two people lately. She's worried about him, having to maintain her department, and he chides her for having an affair with Pascal's fiance to get her job back. He knows her so well, and knows she'll do anything to get what she wants. She doesn't like this accurate analysis of her, but the moment is broken by the arrival of their suspect. Back with Lila and Dexter. They're in a motel room and he seems to be psyching himself up for meeting his mother's murderer. Rita calls and Lila ducks into the bathroom to give him some privacy. While Dexter talks to Rita though, Lila's left the door open and she's getting undressed for a shower. We see Dexter can't resist having a peek, although why she'd leave the door open at all is a fair question. I guess she's an open, relaxed kind of girl, giving, the, giving her the benefit of the doubt, but if she was being tactful while Dexter was on the phone to Rita, wouldn't she have been better closing the door? We join Deb and Gabriel, where things quickly go sour. She spies on his emails and sees messages from him to a publisher about him writing a book called The Ice Princess. She assumes it's about her and flips out. If she's mistaken, I don't know. Would Gabriel want to see this relationship keep going if she's not going to trust him and freak out like this? I don't know. 
Back with Dexter, he goes to the tavern that Jimenez runs. He's in a sweat and clearly nervous, and who would blame him? He's face to face with his mother's murderer. I love the music in this scene. It's another rare example of the show using a real song when they usually use Daniel Lick's excellent compositions. It's the Rolling Stones' Gimme Shelter. It's worth mentioning here the actor who plays Jimenez. He's called Tony Amendola, or Amendola, I'm not sure how you pronounce it. But I recognised him, and I wasn't sure of his name, but looking on IMDb, he's been in loads of stuff, TV and film. Amongst other things, he was in The Mask of Zorro, Air America, he was in Shade, a film that also, also starred our friend Heath Solo, who's guested on this podcast before. He does the Filmlist podcast. Uh, Tony has been in Stargate SG-1, The Practice, CSI, and most recently the new TV series Once Upon a Time. I'll mention just a few of them because his back catalogue is very long. Anyway, we cut to Rita's house, where Gail's giving her shit about Dexter and Paul. Rita defends Dexter, saying he makes her feel safe. Linking with the song title just now, maybe, Gimme Shelter. And basically... Rita tells Gail this is her life, and if she doesn't like it, she can go. Well done, Rita. Back to Dexter, and he's still in the bar, but it's obviously closing time. Jimenez wants to lock up, but Dexter faces him and starts the spiel that he'd rehearsed. But Jimenez gets all arsy and gets a baseball bat and threatens him, quickly showing his aggressive nature. Dexter, though, gives up on the passive approach and punches him out, spitting on him, the rage boiling over. He grabs a knife and drags him into the other room. I knew exactly who you are. You made me into what I am. Okay, okay, I, I deal with that. I had to. Did you, did you have to? Did you have to soar into little pieces? Did you have to leave two little boys soaking in a pool of their mother's blood? His father would have killed me if I didn't. You slaughtered her like an animal because she stole his precious cocaine. Oh. No, we found out she, she was a snitch for a cop. She was fucking him. Which cop? I didn't know his name. I followed him to, to a park. My mother and Harry, that's what got her killed. I'm not done with you yet. Isn't this what heroes do? Avenge lost loved ones. Oh my word. This is some really good stuff. Fantastic performance from Hall, and in the conversation with Lila that follows, maybe one of Jamie Murray's best bits in the show? But this is Hall's moment. You can feel the anger just oozing from the screen, from every pore. He wants to tear this guy to pieces like Jimenez did his mother. I found it a I found it a really emotional sequence as well because we've come far enough with Dexter now to really empathise with him and sympathise for the trauma and tragedy he suffered that, as we've said many times, gave birth to this darkness that he's carried with him all his life and allowed to control him. Anyway, in the phone conversation with Lila, of course she doesn't know he's about to kill someone, but her words apply nonetheless and she talks him down. He goes back to the motel, having left Jimenez alive. Dexter buries his head in a emotionally drained. The first time we've seen him laid bare like this. From here, we cut to Deb and Lundy in the police station. 
She tells him she split up with Gabriel and Lundy reveals he ran a background check on him to help her in her snooping. Which I found kind of surprising. But it turns out Gabriel writes children's books. The Ice Princess is a children's book. As she wipes the egg from her face, Lundy mentions his wife. She died of cancer two years ago. In a really nice way that Deb can identify with, Lundy suggests she goes back to Gabriel, who hadn't done anything wrong, let's face it. Next morning, Dexter wakes up in Lila's lap and she tells him how she got into the programme. Her ex-boyfriend ended up more like her drug dealer. And it sounds like he was a bit of a shit. And she burnt his house to the ground. However, when she did it, she didn't realise the guy was asleep inside. Or so she claims, although we don't get any hint that she did know that he was in there. She got away with it because the police blamed his drugs. Dexter's expression, though, you can see his mind whirring. She's taken a life, although she says the guy deserved it, and Dexter says she didn't do anything wrong. But aren't your alarm bells ringing at the connection growing here between them? Dexter goes back to Rita. And to his surprise, Gail seems to have taken Rita's words on board and takes heart from the fact that Dexter's seeking help. She now wants to do what any good mother would want to do. Be there for her daughter, and she's decided to stay in Miami in Rita's house. <laughs> you can see the look on Rita's face. Oh, good. Harry taught me to lie and keep my darkest secrets from those around me. Which is why I need to make sure there's not a trace of blood left on my boat. He also taught me not to rush to judgment. Things aren't always what they appear to be. Including Harry. And what about me? Am I the twisted Bay Harbor Butcher? With a valiant dark defender? Only time will tell. Funny thing is, I've met someone who doesn't care what I am. I suppose every hero needs a sidekick. Every villain a partner in crime. All my relationships have been built on not knowing. But that may be changing. Imagine that. A life with no more secrets. Through the closing montage, we see Gabriel showing Deb his Ice Princess book, so clearly they've got back together. But more importantly, we see Dexter giving his boat a thorough clean. But as he speculates that things might be getting better, the camera pans up and we are shown a CCTV camera filming the marina. And of course, now Dexter will be on tape somewhere. And that's episode five. Dexter in Jeopardy again. I remember the first time watching this episode, I saw the camera and thought, oh hell, how's he going to get out of this? I do I do especially enjoy this show when Dexter's in danger of discovery, but I also enjoy Dexter making progress on his personal journey, and we saw a bit of that this week as he resisted killing Jimenez. Well, let's face it, it would have been pretty easy for him to kill him. He's got a tangible connection with Lila now, particularly now she's told him about her addiction leading to her costing someone their life, albeit, she says inadvertently. But the highlight for me was undoubtedly the scene in the bar with Dexter letting out his rage on his mother's killer. Great work from Hall, just great. So, overall, another strong episode, I thought. The plots and characters all move forward, we even got bits from the supporting characters. 
except Masuka, who was absent this week. But Dokes and LaGuerta had a good couple of scenes. And we overheard Batista on the phone giving us an indication of continuing domestic problems with access to his daughter, foreshadowing something for him in the future, maybe. It was only a brief reference, and the first one this season after it was a minor subplot last season and helped introduce and establish his character. Now, before we get into the feedback, I'll mention again our new sponsor, Audible, who are the premier online purveyor of audiobooks with over 100,000 titles to choose from, including Jeff Lindsay's Dexter novels. They're offering listeners of Dissecting Dexter a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. Now, if you enjoy listening to the podcast and want to support it in some way, head over to www.audibletrial.com forward slash Dexter. Sign up for a 30-day trial and get your hands on a free download and support the podcast. Maybe check out the latest Dexter audiobook, Double Dexter, the sixth novel in the series in which Dexter finds himself being shadowed by a copycat. Go on, why not check it out? Listener Feedback It's feedback time. First, an email from M. Cart, who writes, Regarding the Dark Defender. I love that name. Love the animated picture of the Dark Defender as well. I put that picture as my profile picture on Facebook a couple of years back when I first saw the episode. Rita's mother in this episode is absolutely a character I love to hate. She is a flawless example of what I remember female public school teachers to be, when they're away from the classroom anyway. My mother was a public school teacher and most of her friends were female teachers and this is exactly what I remember them to be. Some observations about Rita's mum and female public school teachers as I remember from my childhood. It's typical of that generation of parents who raise their child a certain way and come back to criticise their child when they're grown up and nag them for the way they are. Their children are the fruit of their own upbringing. Perhaps they should look in the mirror at their own parenting job instead of nagging later on in life. Then, another typical thing, when someone confronts them with facts and truth, they won't face up to it, but just walk away and say, I don't want to talk about it anymore. Ha! It's so funny because I grew up and saw this my entire life. Very accurate job by the writers, directors and actor. I especially see resemblance in the end where Rita's mother uses her own selfishness and tries to disguise it as helping and being there for others. She's only doing good things so that people will think good of her, so she herself can be happy. She's not motivated by helping others, but catering to her own wants. There are other moments in the show where I think that it would be easy to trace things back to Dexter. I see this from time to time on Dexter. One of the things that stands out to me, maybe someone can correct me if I'm wrong, was when Dexter requested and received information about his mother's killer from records. I wonder why they couldn't eventually trace back things to Dexter if this man were eventually killed by Dexter. I wonder why Dexter didn't fear him going to the police after he brutally beat him and almost killed him. And why did Dexter answer the phone in the middle of that? Listening to the tape of the conversation between Harry and Dexter's mother was very, very interesting. One of my favourite themes of season two is the constant flashbacks to Dexter's past. 
That is a major hole in the following seasons in my opinion, but I guess you wouldn't be able to use the same actors and it would be more difficult because the child actors get older. It was a terrible idea, if Dexter is serious about Rita, to have gone on a road trip alone with another woman, especially one that attractive. Dexter seems to be now pretty attached to Rita and her children, so this is definitely not a wise move on his part, especially considering how conniving Lila is appearing to be. I definitely wouldn't trust her motives. I really wish they would get rid of Deb's boyfriend. The guy has an absolutely boring character, and any smart man would have gotten out of that relationship the way Deb freaks out all the time. But I guess we men are stupid in that way whenever a pretty girl is involved. But this guy is way too forgiving. One of my favourite moments of this episode is when Dexter talks to his mother's killer and says without emotion, I need to tell you how I feel. Hilarious. Made us all believe he was forcing the words. Great acting as usual. Great episode in my opinion. Thanks very much for that. You're right about Rita's mother. I do find her a bit of a stereotypical mother who comes back to cause antagonism in a show. It's a plot device that's been done so many times and she's here to cause tension and unsettle Rita and drive a wedge between her and Dexter. She's here for us to dislike and doesn't disappoint in that department. But I do like your reminiscing, shall we say, of your upbringing and your experience of, of women like this. Thanks for sharing those with us. You make a good point about Dexter answering the phone on the cusp of killing Jimenez. I wonder... Did you hear that shot go off? Yes, the pigeon scarer is still here. <laughs> Killing Jimenez. Yeah, answering the phone, that's right. <laughs> I wonder if maybe Dexter wanted to be talked down. Maybe he looked at his phone and saw it was Lila. I don't know. I'm not thinking that very likely, but Jimenez was knocked out, so Dexter was probably safe from him calling out for help. But you're right about Dexter leaving a loose end behind, having taken the files and tapes. And it was a bit questionable... Dexter heading off on a road trip with Lila in tow, but remember up until now, he's not been interested in her sexually. She's just been his sponsor. He's got some common ground with her. It was probably innocent to him, but of course we saw he wasn't keen on her being around when he intended to kill Jimenez. But I don't think Dexter will have seen the trip as being unfaithful to Rita, except that he lied about it. But that was because he was planning to kill. Yes, a good episode with some great moments. You make yourself into a monster so you no longer bear responsibility for what you do. You don't think there are monsters in this world? You don't believe people are evil? You're listening to Dissecting Dexter. I'll show you evil. Hey, Gareth, this is Travis. I'm just calling in to talk about uh, The Dark Defender, Season 2, Episode 5 of Dexter. Believe it or not, and I know I say this often, but I believe I truly mean it this time. I don't have a lot to say about this episode. Um, the idea of Dexter hunting down the man or one of the men that killed his mother. I mean, that's that's a pretty big deal. I remember being surprised that they were doing that so early in the show. Season 2 seems to be all about just laying all their cards on the table. And for better or for worse, I don't know which one it is. I mean... Dexter hunting down this killer of his mother, that's something they could have, you know, saved for when the show was starting to get stale. Then they could have been like, oh, but look, now here's this. Even the idea, the whole idea of season two of Dexter being hunted by the FBI, that seems like the end game. That seems like the ultimate, the ultimate storyline for the show. And they do it in season two. Man, these guys, it's brave of them for sure, but it may also be stupid of them. 
So Dexter hunts down uh, Santos Jimenez, doesn't kill him. No matter what Lila says, even if everything she says is true, yo, that bitch is bad news in shoes, man. You know it, I know it, Gareth. I don't trust her. She's a bad, influ bad influence on Dexter. And, uh, you know, hey, as much as I hate her, I mean, you kind of see her naked in this episode. I'm a dude, and, you know, I'm not going to lie. It was like, you know, I wish the camera was a little more uh, not so soft-focused on her in the shower back there, but whatever. Uh, apart from that... Uh, what happened in this episode? Uh, Dark Defender superhero crap. I hated that. I just hate, I don't want to think of Dexter as a hero. That's the type of thinking the show should get away from. And Showtime seems to love it, because there's merchandise. You can get, like, two different Dark Defender toys. You can get posters, hoodies with the Dark Defender. Like, I, I don't feel like there's any really good Dexter merchandise. The Dark Defender stuff would be cool if I was into it, but I wish there was more merchandise of Dexter proper. Uh, besides that, I think Rita's mom continues to be a bitch, and Lundy, uh, I think, if I remember correctly, helps uh, Deb investigate Gabriel, and, you know, because Deb's strange. Anyway, that's it, I think. I'll get going, because I said I would keep it short. So, Gareth, man, you the man. Keep it real. Keep it funky fresh. Thanks a lot, Travis. You raise a good point about them bringing up the storyline of Dexter facing down his mother's killer. They could well have saved it for when the show was getting stale. You know, kept that good storyline in the back pocket for a rainy day. <laughs> the proverbial rainy day. But it did serve a purpose here in the context of his supposed recovery and working the programme with Lila. I remember first time around, I was amazed by the show, giving us so much good stuff. These first two seasons, they're really well packed with solid storylines. I wasn't sure where season three could go. Although, of course, where they did go was a natural further exploration of his character. I don't think it's a spoiler to say that. And to be fair to the writers, maybe they didn't know if they'd get renewed for a season three. And on the plus side, having these first two seasons so packed with quality stuff, it got us viewers hooked and on board for the long haul. You didn't like the Dark Defender stuff. I did find the superhero dream scene amusing, and it kind of fits with this time of uncertainty for Dexter. He's reassessing who he is and doesn't have an answer at the moment. And receiving public praise and admiration for what he's done is, of course, something he's fantasised about before, as we've talked about on the podcast. Oh, yeah, bad news in shoes. <laughs> Not heard that before, but I'm with you there. <laughs> as much as Lila is opening Dexter's eyes, and in that sense she is a help, I don't think I ever entertained the idea that she'd be good for him in the long run. She's shown hints of a darker side already, and you can't help but feel that was some foreshadowing. Thanks again, Travis. Lastly, Jessica Bronson has emailed in to nominate her Deb's F-bomb of the week. It's from that scene early in the episode when Dex is having coffee with Deb. Oh, sweet Mary mother. Fuck, that's good. I think you might have broken a commandment somewhere in there. <laughs> Thanks, Jessica, who will hopefully be back very soon with her nomination for the next episode. Okay, if you want to email me, you can. It's dissectingdexter at gmail.com, where you can also send a voicemail recording file, uh, MP3, uh, iPhone file, whatever, whichever format you like, as Travis did. Or you can phone through to one of the listener lines. In the US, the number is 646-222-6122. And in the UK, it's 0844 Five seven nine six nine four nine, 
and you enter mailbox ID 08320 when the voice prompts you. That's just on the UK line. There's also Twitter at Dissect Dexter or my personal Twitter, which is at Gareth underscore UK. And of course, there's the Facebook page. Hop onto Facebook, search for Dissecting Dexter and join in the fun. Next time on Dissecting Dexter. The next episode is Season 2, Episode 6, titled Dex, Lies and Videotape. I wonder why they called it that. (laughs) Okay, so I'm going to read out a short synopsis of the next episode. So if you're listening to these podcasts as you watch the show for the first time and you don't want to be spoiled in any way, then skip forward maybe two or three minutes and uh, that will avoid this little section. Here we go. The synopsis from imdb.com reads like this. Dexter sees an advantage when the police determine that there's a copycat killer on the loose. The bad news is that unless they can locate and stop him, the FBI will take over the Bay Harbour butcher case completely. Dexter also learns that he was videotaped cleaning his boat at the marina. Also for Dexter, since learning that his mother was actually a police informant working for his stepfather, Dexter has been questioning his stepdad's motivation in taking him in. Rita's scheming mother suggests that Dexter's N.A. sponsor, Lila, come to dinner. It all goes well, but when Rita later learns that Lila accompanied Dexter on his recent road trip, she announces she never wants to see him again. Dexter and Lila find a new way to relieve Dexter's compulsive urges. Dot, dot, dot. (laughs) Ooh, now, well, what, pray tell, could that new way of relief be? We shall soon see. But we mention the new jeopardy Dexter's in. And it's obviously not long before he finds out that he was videoed at the marina cleaning his boat. Can he get to the tape before someone sees it? Oh, we do like Dexter in Jeopardy, don't we? (laughs) And just a point there. Obviously, the IMDb synopses aren't always accurate. (laughs) Maybe I'm nitpicking. But that writer called Harry Dexter's stepfather, which, of course, isn't an entirely accurate description. But yeah, maybe I'm nitpicking. So... Gail's going to be up to some tricks. Seemingly, she's trying to set Dexter up for a fall by inviting Lila for dinner, creating a situation where something might kick off or someone might slip up and lead to Dexter having to leave Gail's daughter and grandchildren alone. And what of this copycat killer? That's intriguing. Some nutter inspired by the Bay Harbour Butcher and starting their own killing spree. Dexter undoubtedly won't like that in any way, shape or form, but he'll evidently have to turn on his own detective skills to catch them. And of course this next episode marks the halfway point of the season. That's come around quickly, isn't it? Or is it just me? And so... Another podcast draws to a close. As I've talked about, one small change this time around. I'm not going to go all over it again, but um, just to say I hope you'll allow me that small indulgence. I did mention that I've, I've had one or two costs associated with producing the podcast, so, you know, if you'll allow me this one indulgence, <laughs> I'll appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> so, I'll get going. I'm starving hungry, actually. I'm going to go and finish my lunch, I think. Um, so with that I'll say thanks very much for listening thanks for your support as ever 
and until we dissect some more Dexter in the not too distant future take care guys thanks very much for listening bye for now <laughs>